Hello and welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis, and in this episode we meet Matt Westfall, the head brewer and owner of Counterweight Brewing Company in Hamden, Connecticut. It Starts With Beer is a member of the Hopped Up Network, and this episode is brought to you by Brassworks Brewing, making a wide variety of beer in Waterbury, Connecticut. We're talking a juicy, fouled-up New England IPA, crisp and clean Edison Light, a vibrant blood orange farmhouse, and my personal favorite, rich and chocolatey Abel Porter. You'll find their cans in package stores, and you can enjoy their beer indoors and out at their taproom. For more information, go to BrassWorksBrewing.com. Matt Westfall started with New England Brewing Company and then went off on his own to create a brewery that recently won a Great American Beer Festival gold medal. We'll talk about that, his approach to recipes and running a business in times of great strife, and we'll discuss his plans to open a brand new brewery in the near future. After the interview, stay for the after party where I'll discuss a local food mandate brewery controversy. And I'll spin a record from Jason Ingraselli and the Miles North Band. Here's a snippet of their song, Songbird, followed by my interview with Matt Westfall of Counterweight Brewing. Let's listen in. Matt, how are you? I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So Counterweight Brewing is one of these uh, breweries in Connecticut that is really become a place where people kind of feel like it's synonymous with quality. It's the kind of place that people you know talk about, but it's not like a buzzy kind of brewery in the sense where it's like, oh yeah, you you got to go and get this one hot beer. It's you, you really kind of do a wide range of beer. And I'm really excited to talk to you about your process, a little interested in your background and interested in the future of Counterweight. Can you start off by talking a little bit about the birth of Counterweight and what made you want to go in that direction with the location and your original philosophy of the brewery? Yeah, sure. Um, so in 2017, we were established. Um, I had been the head brewer and uh, partner at New England Brewing Company, and it was there for almost nine years and had a, a wonderful experience there and just sort of wanted to do something else before I got any older. And I had learned um, some valuable lessons there about the level of effort and 
just time that goes into starting something and wanted to kind of get started with uh, something from the ground up one last time and um, hopefully develop a place where we could establish a sense of community in our tap room and build trust with our customers so that they felt every time they were reaching for one of our beers, they were getting something balanced, something uh, of great quality, and hopefully something affordable. Um, That's pretty much kind of how we viewed our brewery in a nutshell. When you decided on location, why uh, Hamden? So, uh, obviously living in New Haven County at that point in time and developed a lot of relationships with customers in that area and wanted something that was obviously close to home. And after looking around for a good amount of time, you know, Hamden welcomed us with open arms and offered um, some some help finding a location and with some some tax help and et cetera. And it just felt like a really good spot to be. And um, we've been fortunate that a lot of our mug club members and the people who come in our tap room are Hamden Hamden, uh, natives. And they're they're people who um, welcomed us and have supported us. So we're we're, we're thankful to have ended up in Hamden. You had mentioned that prior to starting off on your own, you had that experience with New England Brewing. Can you tell me a little bit about what that prepared you for in terms of going off on your own? What kind of experiences that you had there uh, really shaped you? So over those nine years, uh, I was able to see all kinds of different things. I believe the year that I started there, there were five or six breweries in the state of Connecticut. So obviously, I was able to see the challenge of getting people to first and foremost accept and drink craft beer uh, and independent local beer to a point where uh, it was widely accepted, and then um, what new challenges were presented with a wider audience. So certainly learned a lot of lessons in regards to the ins and outs of day-to-day production, the ins and outs of day-to-day accounting, the ins and outs of managing staff, just kind of a little bit of everything. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have had that uh, experience before getting involved in Conway. You certainly had a chance to experiment with recipes, I would think, along the way. Were there any recipes that you were, you know, look back at your time in New England Brewing Company that you, that kind of helped shape the, the direction that you would head in with Counterweight? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the things that I'm very thankful for most. I think uh, my experience there was that, you know, Rob gave me such such a great amount of freedom to do what I wanted to do in the brew house. And so um, over my time there, I was able to develop um, recipes that had started off on a homebrew level in my parents' garage back in the day. The second commercial beer I ever brewed was formerly known as Gandhi Bot, now G Bot. Was able to reformulate Sea Hag and do Fuzzy and Ghost Pigeon and a, bu- a bunch of things. And then I got to work with, you know, formerly trained brewers like Matt Whitener and Sebastian Diagostino, who are now down at, at Tribus. Obviously, uh, learned some some uh, you know technique and and different things from from Rob and all of his experience. And getting to work within that team um, was really really rewarding. And I look at that experience very very fondly. When you take on a brewery of your own, you're not just the head brewer anymore. You've got a lot of other uh, responsibilities on your plate. What came the easiest and what's been the most challenging? Um, Everything's challenging, honestly. You know, things pop up day to day. Uh, Equipment's breaking, you know, people calling out, deliveries are late. It's it's all of those things that um, when you look at in the moment kind of seems scary and kind of crazy. But I think I thrive in those environments. And one of the reasons why I was crazy enough to start all over again and I think that learning those lessons prepared me for how to handle that the stress in, in each individual 
um, situation that we might find ourselves in at Counterweight. And I think the most successful thing we've been able to do at Counterweight so far is to put together a very capable team of people who are able to execute from uh, hot side all the way down through packaging and cellaring and then properly serve the beer with educational, proper knowledge, you know, proper pours and put it in front of, you know, the, the end, the end guest there and have it done properly. I'm, I'm, I think that's, that's really what we've done best. And uh, one of the things that has uh, allowed us to be, um, you know, successful up to this point. How did that come about? I, I always wonder about that because, you know, they didn't just, well, maybe they did just pop out of a, an employment, you know, interview and suddenly they're fully formed. How did you create the team that you have? Was it, did you nurse them along the way? Did you build them up or, or did they already bring their certain qualities? And maybe talk about a couple of individuals. Yeah, no, um, it's kind of happened pretty organically, honestly. We didn't necessarily have any one individual in mind when we got started and uh, put some feelers out and started talking to, to people. And um, we ended up with a bunch of people who had some industry experience, people who had run canning lines for Ironheart, people who had come from uh, Back East Brewing Company. Obviously, one of our, our close friends here in the state, our, our tapper manager had lots of service experience and has tremendously raised the level of, of what we're able to do day to day in the tap room. And then collectively, the team has just kind of come together and we put forth a set of goals to be educational and thoughtful in the way we present what we do. And everybody's passionate and they are driven by that passion. And I think when there's genuine enthusiasm, things fall into place. And I think that's, um, that's kind of how everything kind of came together. You mentioned that when you were, you know, just taking some of those homebrew recipes and applying it uh, in in a larger scale. There were only, you know, a handful of other breweries in the state, and now you're one of at least 118, maybe 119, who knows. How does that volume of, you could call it competition, you could call it camaraderie, how does that uh, volume of, of fellow breweries around a small state impact choices you make? That's a, that's a great question. I think honestly, time and place is such a such a valuable element that sometimes we all forget. And I think that the time and place, um, when I was able to kind of cut my teeth and, and learn lessons, afforded us to make mistakes. And I think these days it's a little bit more difficult. Um, and I think that um, as we kind of went through and 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 learned and was able to reach out to the handful of people that were in the industry at that point in time, they there wasn't a lot of newbies. There were a lot of people who had been you know, around for a while, and they were able to provide really valuable information when we did need it. Um, you know, the first person that comes to mind is Dave Wolner up at Willamantic Brewing Company. He certainly had a big impact on my trajectory and my career and the way that I view beer. And he's always been helpful and always been there to offer anything that he can to help not only just me, but any brewery in the state of Connecticut. He's you know, certainly fostered a lot of relationships in the state to hopefully better the state of, of the relationships between breweries here in, here in Connecticut. So much of what we've seen in the last 10 years, I think, with, with breweries is about that leaning on each other, you know, looking to the generations prior and taking whatever advice we can and then moving the ball forward, which is what, what you have done. And you, you have now are seeing newbies that are new compared to you uh, doing the same thing. Are, are you finding that people are turning to you for advice as well? 
I've certainly had some people come in and, and ask advice and we do anything we can to try to help anybody who needs it. Cause certainly we understand how difficult um, any issue that comes up uh, might be day to day, whether it's, it seems small and big in the moment um, it, they always need to be solved to be able to move forward. So we, we certainly try to pass that forward. I think it's more difficult now than ever um, to keep a relationship just because of the sheer number of breweries. So there's lots of places we haven't um, met or, or, visited or talked to quite yet, but certainly we hope that as Connecticut beer and our small scene evolves, it grows together stronger and um, those relationships are hopefully foundations of uh, longevity that will hopefully be built upon quality and all these other things that are really, really important to, you know, seeing stability long-term within our, our industry in the state of Connecticut. One of the things that really impressed me about the brewery itself was the, just the atmosphere, the, the tap rooms, plural, uh, and, and the fact that you know you just had a really a friendly vibe once you were inside. But then you know, COVID's happened, and things must have changed. How would have been the biggest changes for you? Yeah, it's been a, certainly a whirlwind for us, and I'm sure it has been for everybody. You know, the biggest change for us was pre-COVID, we were a business that was 60% of our business was draft beer. You know, we we really prided ourselves on, on having those close relationships on the on-premise. And you know, we love the idea of somebody getting a draft counterweight beer. So obviously when that everything kind of came down with COVID, uh, we had to, you know, adjust like everybody else. And we switched to as much canned beer as we possibly could. And then obviously we closed our tap room and didn't do any uh, on-site service until August, and that included outdoor. So we waited as long as we possibly could to be as safe as possible for the sake of, you know, our business, our, our staff members, and, and everybody included. And it allowed us the time to properly plan and put things in perspective so that we could have, you know, proper methodology to safely curate an environment for people to come and visit Counterweight. So it was certainly a, a, a big adjustment, but we've uh, we've been very, very thankful and appreciative of all the support we've received and all the people that have gone out and supported a lot of local Connecticut small businesses and allowed us to continue to move forward so that we can see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. And as every day passes, it seems like we're getting a little bit closer, even though it, it on certain days certainly feels far away. I bet. I mean, nothing seems like it like it used to be. And I think there'll even be this feeling of numbness when we do return to the tap rooms in earnest saying, you know, how long can this last? <laughs> you know, this, right, I, exactly. maybe I'm a pessimist, but uh, now you make a wide variety of beer and I'm happy to see that it, a lot of it is available on the shelves. I'm, um, you know, in the Northwest corner of the state. And even though it is a small state to anyone who's not in Connecticut, we do kind of work in regions. And there are some main arteries within the state that, you know, you, you don't tend to cross if you don't have to, especially especially nowadays. But you just won a prestigious GABF award for your Fest beer, and yet you aren't only making lagers, for example. You make a wide variety. Tell me a little bit about what that win meant to you and a little bit about that beer. And tell me about your philosophy about recipe design. Yeah, we um we love our hoppy beer at Counterweight. Um, obviously, Headway being our flagship, um, it's a it's an exemplification of our our passion for tasting um, and, and squeezing every bit of character we can get out of particular hop varieties. But we have a real deep passion for, for lagers as well. And so to to win that award this year for something that we really really put a lot of effort and thought into was was just really really great for our whole team. 
obviously we believe and, and know for a fact that beer is only as good as it's packaged and cellared and served. And so it was it was great to kind of show our team that hey, when we when we do these things, this is this is the quality that we can produce. So over the last five years or so, I've certainly spent a lot of time trying to learn as much as I possibly can about uh, traditional German lagers. Traveled three times in the last five years to Germany to really taste things from the source, sitting at tables, taking notes and asking a lot of questions and was fortunate enough to tour a bunch of breweries when I was there. And we come home with that information and we try to apply it the best we can and provide an experience for our guests that they might not necessarily get, you know, close to home. So we, we really strive to really hit those traditional marks and chase the nuances of those more delicate styles and, you know, do that while there's other options on our draft lines or in cans for people who might not necessarily gravitate towards those styles. Just for perspective, about how many beers at a time or maybe currently would, would there be out there available in package stores and about how many do you tend to keep on the tap at, at any time? We always have headway out and about. I mean, that's a very large percentage of our overall production. We try our best to keep up with Crucial Mass or Double IPA out and about, and then we have our workhorse Pilsner out as often as we can possibly produce it. So those three cores are out there. This year, we distributed the most amount of Fest beer we've ever brewed since we opened. We've also added an additional IPA in December called Ho Ho Hope for the Kids. That was out through distribution, and then in the tap room. You can come in and find somewhere between like 10 and 14 beers available on draft in normal times. Now it's usually between like 7 and 10. We've toned it down a little bit just because of COVID. The idea of going to Germany and seeing the classic practices for creating balanced, clean beer must be a real culture shock compared to what a lot of beer drinkers seem to love, which is the extreme the sweet, the fruity, the slushy, the marshmallow, all of these kind of avant-garde, you know, styles. How do you keep it straight? And, you know, are you surprised, disappointed that the, that the, the, the spectrum of the flavor has gotten so far away from that classic style? I mean, I certainly think there's room for both. I think that when beer or categorizations of beer become too heavy in a certain direction that's so far away from the fundamental basics. I, I think that kind of worries me a little bit. That might be the old man in me speaking, <laughs> right. but I, I do love when people try things and, um, and we, we certainly try to dabble in that way as well, but I, I just love the, the level of integrity that the old world brewers take in what they do and that they are almost uh, exclusively formally trained, spend years and years studying, and they feel that if they're going to put something in front of a consumer that they charge money for, it better be damn good because that person worked for those dollars and cents that they're spending. And I think that that the way that they view that and it is there's a there's a lesson to be learned for for us there. Hopefully, the goal for most and and all breweries should be that when your customer reaches for a beer it's at least going to be good. And if they reach for it again, it should be even better or at least consistent. And that's the challenge of day-to-day -day production is you know, setting up yourself inside a production environment to be able to consistently produce these things. And if you're taking chances, they're, they're calculated chances so that people aren't you know, spending money that they sat in a job they don't, might not necessarily love to be able to go out and buy that beverage and, and hopefully enjoy themselves. And I think that's really, really important. Locally, 
and perhaps in other states as well, they've been handing down some new restrictions, some new laws, uh, um, the idea being keeping people safe. But the latest one is a little bit confusing in the sense that there must be food in a at a brewery. Uh, people can't be served unless they are seated and either enjoying the food or about to, and the food can't be a snack food or even anything that they brought from home. How is this right. uh, new guideline, uh, which comes with a $10,000 fine for every violation, uh, <laughs> hit you? Uh, how have you been able to adjust with that? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us, honestly. Um, you know, obviously, how we've handled this whole crazy situation we've all found ourselves in has been conservative. You know, we didn't open outdoor or indoor until August. We've, you know, invested in air purifiers. We've done our best to, to curate an environment that, that we feel is safe for our guests. And so it kind of feels a little bit crazy when they throw another element that we have to try to navigate after all of the other challenges that we face day to day. It's not, it's not really encouraging. I mean, we don't necessarily feel supported by our state when some of these things might not make a ton of sense. However, um, you know, we're playing the game. We'll, we'll go through those motions and uh, we'll try our best to, you know, communicate to our, our guests why this is happening. Here's the, the mandate. And uh, it's been tough. I mean, we got a couple of really negative reviews because we asked people to uh, follow the rules in the last couple of weeks. And obviously that's disheartening, but we know that at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're just trying to cover our butt and, you know, protect ourselves or staff and our business, and I think most people understand overall. I was wondering where the fallout might be, and that makes sense that it, it might be at that level, the customer service level. But, you know, with all the, the, the things that the extra expense, the inability to have a tap room open for, for a while or your choice to, have you had to cut back in any places when it comes to, you know, running the business? No, we've been very lucky. You know, distribution is even or even a little bit up from, from last year overall. Our tap room obviously suffered a little bit, but we've been able to, you know, make some calculated choices to be able to, you know, take care of our staff. Up to this point, we've been very lucky. We haven't laid anybody off or, or made any cuts in that area. We, you know, think of our, our staff as the family of Conway, the people that make us work day to day. They're the people that, uh, that, that make us function. And we feel similarly about the people we buy our raw materials from. I mean, our beer is only as good to be as good as the raw materials that we purchase. So the relationships that we have with our vendors are, are very, very important to us. And we want to continue to support them and, and make sure that they're doing well through what is also a difficult time for them as well. So we've been um, certainly as challenging as it's been, we make con some concessions as far as what we might see for dollars and cents on a weekly or monthly basis. But the fundamentals and the basics for what we've founded our business upon, we try to follow those as, as closely as possible. And so we find ourselves in a spot where, you know, thankfully we've we've gotten enough support to be able to make those decisions. Do you make um, local purchases, you, you know, when it comes to uh, ingredients or anything else related to the brewery? Are you partnering with any other local businesses? Yeah, so we use um, uh, all of our fleet products come from Thrall here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And then all of our, our malt that we're getting for our lager program is coming from Stone Path in Massachusetts. Those guys have been wonderful partners. I, I absolutely love their malt. 100% of the malt that went into our fest beer this year is from them. 
And then uh, what they don't malt themselves and, and create, they get from a, a, a wonderful, reputable maltster in Germany. So it's a, it's a great relationship to have. Now, tell me a little bit about the future of Counterweight, uh, what you might be moving ahead to be doing soon. Yeah, so we are very fortunate to be in a position where we're, we're building what, we, what we're calling our forever home. We're trying to build a, a new brewery. It will be in Cheshire that we start construction on very soon. And the idea behind this new project is essentially to build a space that allows us to do everything we want to do without making any sacrifices in other areas. And to kind of clarify what that might mean is there are certainly days where we don't want to short our production goals or sales orders for something like Headway or Workhorse. And it might take us a little bit away from some of these other you know, creative endeavors that we're participating in. And so the new brewery will hopefully allow us to be able to do both of those things at the same time to better our day-to-day quality, uh, our, our, our better to our day-to-day um, availability of different types of products, and build a better guest experience. We want people to come in and um, be super comfortable and, and hopefully really enjoy their, their, their stay with us while they're visiting Carway. This will be a brand new facility, or are you taking over a former space that, that was used for something else? Um, so we're building from the ground up. There is a building on the property that we purchased, and we're going to be connecting those buildings. But the vast majority of the new facility will be from the ground up. That's exciting. So can you give me some concrete examples? What's something that the customer will experience there that they they can't currently? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a larger space. We're going to have some more different um, private spaces. There's going to be a couple different kind of themes and vibes between the, the separate tap rooms. And so kind of if you want loud or quiet or music or no music, you'll be able to sort of have an option when you come in versus just one singular experience. And then we have some kind of fun things planned as far as what we're going to be able to do process-wise. And we want to share that with our, our guests and hopefully be leaders in the, in the area of education as far as beer is concerned. And hopefully the way that this comes together will allow us to have people come in and you know, kind of see some of these processes close up and, and understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what it tastes like. So maybe they're, they're sipping a, a beer in an area while they get to learn a little bit about why it tastes like that. And, and hopefully those educational experiences will be rewarding for people. And if you're not interested and you're just there to have a, a beer and, and chat with somebody, that's, that's great too. Hopefully we can kind of fulfill both of those things. What a cool idea. I think people are hungry to learn. And when you're into something this much, learning only helps deepen the experience, deepen the, the appreciation. Was there anything that sparked that idea? Or is this just a, was there any place that you're modeling yourself after? Or is that a, a wholly original idea for you guys? I was fortunate enough to visit the new Russian River facility in August before COVID all took place. And they kind of tried to do something where if you go on a tour there, you get to drink a beer they came out of the cool ship in the cool ship room. Uh, obviously, Allagash does something like that mm-hmm. as well. They had areas where there's information on the wall in front of you know yeast banks or whatever piece of equipment you might be looking at. And not everybody was certainly in, in interested in engaging with that process, but there was more than I thought. And I, I really came back from that experience, you know, wishing that uh, our region had something like that because as there's more and more people involved in beer, and, and obviously we're a very welcoming community. I want to make sure, and I think a lot of people want to make sure that our industry continues to, you know, accurately provide information for people so that people are drinking quality. And that's going to hopefully provide better stability and longevity to our industry and all of our collective businesses. 
Sometimes hard to make this prediction, but when do you think you'll be up and running in the new facility? That's a tough that's a tough choice. It's been interesting because a lot of our equipment that we put down payments on is made because a lot of these people are working on skeleton crews and we have equipment coming from all over the world. But our goal is hopefully by the end of 2021, and, and we'll see. I'm sure there's going to be a million things we haven't thought of that pop up, and it's certainly going to provide some challenges, but I think we'll figure out a way to hopefully navigate the best we can and can't wait to kind of bring people into the new space and share everything we've been working on with everybody. What uh, what keeps you excited about Beard these days? Oh boy, so many different things, honestly. We're in an age where we get to experience so many different new things and then we also get to experience so many different, you know, well-curated products. So, you know, to go back to a little bit about the raw materials we use, we have so many wonderful options and that gets me excited as a producer to be able to sit down and calculate out a, a recipe and, and kind of conceptualize something that we want to drink or, or something that we really want to share with our guests is, is very, very exciting to me. And then, you know, we're spoiled. I can go into most stores or, or most local other breweries and find something that we're excited to drink. And to have those choices uh, is, is really wonderful. I mean, certainly when I started getting involved in beer pretty young, we did not have a lot of choices. It was very difficult to find some, some basics in, in any, any store especially bars. I mean, back in those days, it was pretty much Eli Cannons and Delaney's. That was, that was Connecticut beer. It's changed so tremendously. So it's exciting to see everything evolve and change. And we just hope that the spirit of collaboration, the spirit of support, and the overall you know, coexistence with everybody continues to be healthy. And, and I think that will be a good thing. And, and who benefits at the end is people who like good beer. My thanks to Matt Westfall. You can follow his brewery, Counterweight, on Instagram at Counterweight Brewing Co. and Twitter at Counterweight Brewing. Or go to counterweightbrewing.com. If you want to contact me, send me an email, beer.snob at yahoo.com. Welcome to the after party. Crawl into a miniature bouncy house and relax. Have another beer. I'm currently enjoying an Einstock Icelandic Doppelbach. It's only 6.7% ABV, but it tastes boozier. Uh, it's a bit harsh, actually, but warming and goes great with steak. So Matt Westfall was one of the first brewers to join me on my big book tour, so to speak. Uh, probably the first brewer. And so I wrote this book back in 2015 called Connecticut Beer. It says History of Connecticut Beer. And I did this tour of all these local libraries, especially at first. And I would do tastings. And he actually came to one of them. I can't remember which one it was. But he poured New England beer and talked about it. And I'll always remember that. That was a really nice thing of him to do. He's a good guy. Makes really great beer. And I wish him luck on this venture of moving to a new brewery. So hey, let's talk politics. Yeah, I don't really want to either, but. So the Connecticut Department of Consumer Protection recently laid down these new rules for breweries here in the state that say that customers have to be eating food that is served at the breweries, not snack food or any food that they bring from home. And this is not going well among breweries. A lot of these breweries in the state 
are not brew pubs. They are not, they don't have kitchens, right? And so they might be able to get a food truck, but that's not going to be there all the time. So this is really messing with the breweries, especially because there's a $10,000 fine with every violation. So in a letter to the governor and other elected officials, the Connecticut Brewers Guild Executive Director Phil Pappas said that this restriction has drastically impacted the beer industry in the state. Phil writes, The owners of CT breweries live and invest in their local towns. Their kids go to your schools. You run into them in the grocery store, and they are struggling to survive due to food guidelines that go well above other state standards. So it goes on to say that breweries cannot operate with these guidelines, which he said were made arbitrarily. He says, while 95% of CT breweries do not have kitchens where they can prepare on-premise food, they are required to apply and pay for additional food permits in a time where every penny counts, add space where they can safely prepare food that was never planned for, purchase additional and expensive equipment, and on top of that already strict social distancing guidelines, add unnecessary responsibilities and burdens onto an already reduced staff. So the Guild is calling for a rollback of this requirement and assistance from state lawmakers to keep breweries open. Now, if you're following local breweries on Instagram, you'll see a big exclamation point recently to get your attention, followed by pleas to contact the governor and elected officials to change their mind. And I agree. I believe this requirement comes out of the blue. And it kind of smells of lobbyists from other industries trying to pull breweries back to kind of even the playing field. And I, it seems like an unfair requirement. And I urge the governor to reconsider. And in many ways, I think the governor is doing a good job of keeping Connecticut safe, but this goes too far. So you can voice your concerns. Just go to portal.ct.gov and look for ways to email the governor and state officials. That's one way. If you've got other creative ways of getting their attention, uh, feel free. And I think that you should voice your opinion. So mild rant over. Uh, now I want to put a record on. This is from Jason Ingraselli and the Miles North Band. They're Connecticut-based. They have a great country sound. They recorded in studios in Avon, Connecticut, and Nashville. And their debut full-length album, The Miles North, is out now. You can learn more at themilesnorth.com. I urge you to purchase their music. Let's listen to Songbird by Jason Ingraselli and the Miles North Band, featuring my good friend George Mastrianis on drums, who plays drums on the intro to this very podcast. George, you're the man. All right, until next time, sip well.
Well, the skies lift up in this overcast town It's kind of funny how that happened on the night you came around Now I'm pacing these streets, I'm in a tune of your name Because without you by my side, the night just ain't the same Sending out postcards through the air We're taking time and saying every prayer Cause everyone knows that feeling of being alone And your lips, they taste so damn sweet And your love is really all that I need Any memory of your smile drives me to Sipping in the moonlight Girl, all I want to be is your man So take my hand Oh, take my hand And I'd promise you everything Now everywhere I go Swear that I see her face Postcards through the air Spending time like we're millionaires Whenever you need a shoulder I'll be here And your lips, they taste so damn sweet And your love is really all that I need Any memory of your smile drops me to On the fine wine that we're sipping in the moonlight Girl, all I want to be is your man So take my hand Oh, take my hand and I'd promise you everything Take my hand and I'd promise you everything